Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 I've begun using a really cool surface from Aviva IQ, and it's made my life so much easier. My guests love receiving all the important details about their stay exactly when they need it. And I love all the five-star reviews I'm getting on communication. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I am hosting this episode with Nicole. Princess Williams, who is the VP of Strategic Partnerships of Housefully. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jasper. It's great to be back. I always enjoy doing these chats with you. <laughs> How is everything going? Good. I uh, just was at um, the Vacation Rental Managers Association Conference for the Western region last week in Southern California, and it was a good turnout. Uh, got to hear a lot of industry news and um, talk to a lot of vacation rental managers like west of the Mississippi to the Pacific. So it was it was good. Awesome. Any interesting takeaways or highlights? Um, just a lot of vacation rental managers that are interested in new technology and how to, you know, give a better experience for their for their guests. It's really about providing that memorable experience so that they want to come back and they want to tell other other people about it. I feel like there's more and more vacation rental management companies popping up everywhere. Um, get, I get a lot of emails from mm-hmm. vacation uh, rental management companies. So I've, I feel like there might be a little shift or trend going on where more and more hosts are using these managers or even automated systems you know, to manage their Airbnb listings. Yeah, it's definitely a booming business. You see a lot of realtors who traditionally sell properties and now they are even moving into the industry as well doing a lot of vacation rentals for owners who may not end up wanting to sell so um yeah there it seems like it's growing for sure well i'm now in uh, moscow and i'm actually staying at my third airbnb in in russia this is my first ever visit to this country Uh, i stayed in uh, an airbnb moscow last week and then i was in st petersburg uh, over the last few days, and I stayed at an oh, Airbnb wow. there, and now I'm back in Moscow, and you know it's uh it's it's interesting because every single check-in so far has has been a little bit challenging with regards to like communication, but also with regards to you know, actually finding the place. It's interesting to use Airbnb so much as uh you know as as a guest because it mm-hmm. it's really good to be in the in the shoes of, of the guests, because then you really see like what kind of issues you run into when the host is not now communicating well or providing enough information. Like for example, my, my check-in here, well, I arrived in a taxi. I only had a bill of 5,000 rubles and I had to pay 1,000 and the taxi driver didn't have any change. 
this is the first time that I'm not using Uber. Uh, <laughs> and I immediately got punished for it. So I'm definitely <laughs> going back to Uber. Fortunately, they do have Uber here in Moscow, but I took a normal taxi for a change. And so uh -huh. I had to drive around to find a place where we could change this $5,000 bill. Finally, I, I decided to just walk into a shop and buy a bottle of wine and use the change uh, to pay the taxi driver. But in any case, like while this was happening, I was communicating with my host and, you know, she kept telling me that she was, she was waiting for me and, you know, that I was, I was late. <laughs> and uh, so when I finally arrived, you know, the building that I'm staying is, it's, it's a really big building and there's all these different entrances. And so the only thing I had was the address, really. And so I saw the, the, the sign of the address, the number. And so I just walked, walked up to the building and the, and the first gate that I saw, I just walked in and I basically got completely lost. And, and so I called the host and she, it took a while, but she finally, she, she, uh, she found me. And then she was kind of a little bit, uh, I'd say slightly annoyed. Because she told me, like, you know, I told you to be at the front entrance and, like, where, <sighs> what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I mean, it's not very clear where the front entrance is, to be honest, yeah? And it just kind of shows that as a host, you know, when, you're, when you've been living at your place, you're super familiar. It may seem really, really logical and makes a lot of sense. And it may seem very easy to find everything, right? Because you're so used mm -hmm. to it. But right. then for somebody who's never been in the area even... You know, it can be a completely different perspective. So mm -hmm. it's just, uh, yeah, these experiences here have definitely solidified uh, as sort of the idea that as a host, you really want to, you know, provide much more information than, than you think that the guests would need. Like, I'm thinking like pictures of the entrance, uh, little Google Maps. Uh, Did you uh, tell her about Hostfully Guidebooks? <laughs> <laughs> I hope. <laughs> of course it is. Um, she could have had all those images right there on how to check in. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I think. Well, anyway, we can send it. To, we can send her the information. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think these, you know, guidebooks in, in general are are very essential because I mean, I'm getting very little information. I'm getting an, literally like a, a message with the address, and, and that's pretty much it. Anyway. Let's, uh, I've, in the end, it was all fine and it's a nice apartment. So, yeah, I'm uh, not yeah. complaining. Well, we need to help her out though, Jasper, uh, really. <laughs> and I know, right? I mean, there's still, yeah, there's still a room, room for education. Uh, yeah. For Airbnb house, for sure. Let's send her the link right after this. <laughs> but let's talk about what's been going on in the, in the world of Airbnb. Uh, let's start with somebody, something that happened in actually my home city of Amsterdam. And I've seen these kind of stories pop up quite often where a tourist gets scammed by a phony Airbnb listing, an Airbnb listing that doesn't really exist. Well, the listing exists, but the actual house may or not exist. But basically what happens is that the tourists uh, sends in a message on the Airbnb platform to uh, make an inquiry for a place uh, to stay. And then the person somehow gets the, the guest to provide them with a, with an email address. And then they send a fake email with, uh, with payment information. And so then the guest pays, but the, you know, there, there's no actual booking on the Airbnb, uh, site. And so the guest is, uh, is scammed out of the money and, and, and doesn't have a place to stay. Now, yeah, these, incredible. these stories, you see them quite often. And, you know, I always wonder how is this possible? Because, you know, Airbnb filters, in their messaging system, and even on the on the listing site, there's a filter 
that hides any sort of contact information. Because you know, I get a lot of emails from hosts and they ask me to look at their listings. So I, I, you know, I look at several listings every single day and I see a lot of listings that have this, you know, this hidden content thing where where the host is, is is trying to provide some information. And so I always let them know. I say, hey, this I don't know what you're trying to display there, but it's not showing. And then it always turns out that it's it's not actually contact details, it's something else. So Airbnb uses a pretty you know broad filter to make sure that uh, that contact information isn't displayed. Yeah, I've I've come across that myself. Uh, it's very difficult, especially with people. Sometimes they'll write out their phone number all in letters, um, spelling out the numbers because they're just trying to get you to call them. It's like we're here, we're communicating here. <laughs> this is where we communicate. So um, it's a safety net, and it's it's great that they have that. Um, I'm wondering if this contact information for this scammer was in a screenshot um, within somewhere within the listing and maybe wasn't detected because it was in a picture or something. Uh, I don't know. It would be interesting if this, I think this was um, the son uh, that got this story, if they would have included a picture, but I guess they couldn't at that point because the listing was down. Yeah, that's definitely possible what you're saying. So you're saying people could uh, could provide the contact information in, in a picture, right? Correct. And put it because in the I photo think, section. Yeah, I, I think because it was referred to um, as an advertisement somewhere within this article. So that is what triggered in my mind. Maybe there was an image. Um, Airbnb spokesman said they shouldn't have had the advertisement on their website in the first place. So I was thinking, oh, advertisement, that's how she described it. Maybe it was an image that had an email address in it um, or a phone number, however she contacted them. But it's still interesting because even if you put the picture in your listing with your contact details, then you're still relying on the guest to contact you. Yeah, it sounds like she did. Which is because uh, in the article it's mentioned that she received an email with a confirmation, so she must have somehow provided her email address to the host without actually, you know, making the booking. So the, I mean, the the only way then that this could happen is is that the host has a maybe a picture in their photo section, and then they message on the Airbnb system, "Hey, contact me. Look at the picture for the information." Then the you know then the girl sends the email. And then they have the email address to respond to. Right. She I says, I was, I was reading the description of the place and it said to book and then send a query through this email address. So she must have seen an email address somewhere in that description. Um, I don't think it sounds like they never even got to the messaging part. Um, maybe she was a first time user of Airbnb and wasn't aware of the messaging um, at all. Perhaps that sh- that's how she thought. You know, who knows? I don't know for sure, but I'm just guessing that she's 20 years old and, you know, she saw she's reading through the description of the property and then she sees somewhere within there, oh, book through this email address. And she that's how she proceeds. Yeah, I'm still still uh, I still find it strange that the contact information she she read it in the description and it should have been blacked out. Um, yeah. But um, but any in any case. Hopefully they take more safeguards to do that, um, if that was the case. But yeah, it's very puzzling. How how did she get that email address? Yeah, it it, it definitely is. And uh, you know, I, you see these stories qu- quite often. And I, I'm always every time I see a story like this, I I hope that they 
put like a screenshot of, of how the information was displayed, but uh, they never they never really provide that information. Yeah, I guess at the time they're not thinking that they're going to be scammed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's uh, move on to another topic. Uh, let's talk about Latin America. There's an article in the New Zealand Herald, actually. So Airbnb's uh, fastest market is, is actually Latin America right now. And they are going to take a different approach when it comes to collaborating with the with the local governments, uh, which, which is an interesting switch that they're making. So up until now, basically their approach has been you know, we're just facilitating this home sharing businesses, and only if we're getting sued, if we're if there's a lot of resistance, uh, then we'll you know we'll strike a deal with the with local authorities to to come to some sort of compromise. Uh, but now they're going to be more proactive about you know reaching these type of compromises before there's actually any any big uh, resistance and and court cases, etc. So, for example, in uh, Mexico, they're making an arrangement with the local uh, authorities that they're going to collect 3% lodging tax. And this is also what uh, hotels are paying as well. So I think it's yeah. an interesting uh, change of, of approach. And they're, they're planning to approach it this way in, the, in other countries in South America as well. Yeah, smart of them. I mean, I guess they've learned from their lessons. They pretty much come faced resistance and some type of fight, it seems like, wherever they are uh, in every big city. So smart of them to, to just start the relationship off on a different foot and say, hey, let's let's go ahead and collect that tax and give it to the, to the government. Um, yeah, I mean, they're learning from their lessons. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's smart also because you know, once you start giving money to a government, they're going to spend it. And so... Now the government is already used to getting that money, so they'll probably yeah. be more willing to uh, to cooperate. Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah, they have yeah, to very cut, smart. Otherwise, they have to make some cuts in their budgets, and it's not something that uh, that uh, governments like to do. Right, and Airbnb probably doesn't want to spend any more money on attorneys. You know, they're they probably added up what they've been spending, and they're like, it's it's inevitable that we would have to do this again. So let's just go ahead and start with a great relationship here and, and do it how, how we've worked it out with other cities with um, paying the tax. Yeah, so I think it's really a win-win situation. And uh, Chris Lehane, he's the head of policy for Airbnb, said that Airbnb plans to take this more friendly approach throughout Latin America. It's currently discussing agreements similar to the one in Mexico City with governments of Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo. In This is uh, Argentina and Brazil as well. So. Yeah. I think it's a good and, approach. You know, I'm wondering, I know the the article talked about Airbnb's competition down there, Hotel Urbano, I guess, which is another way to book uh, accommodations. And, you know, maybe they have, maybe they're already paying the government as well. I didn't see that in the article, but um, if they are, they would make sense for Airbnb to follow suit on what's already built in down there. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, the, you know they're also planning to expand their the staff a lot. They're expecting to double staff in South America by the end of the year. Open offices in Argentina, Brazil, and Mexico. So there's uh, going to be a lot of employment opportunities. So if anyone wants yeah. to work for Airbnb, <laughs> it's Argentina, Brazil, and Mexico where the opportunity is. Great, yeah, good for them. 
posts. Does it feel like you're spending way too much time responding to questions from your Airbnb guests? Is the fear of a possible bad review keeping you up at night? I recently learned about a really helpful service called Aviva IQ. With Aviva IQ, my workload and worries have reduced dramatically. All I had to do was link my Airbnb listings to Aviva IQ, create my messages and schedule delivery times. That's it. I can't believe how easy it was to set up. Now I can sit back and relax knowing that my guests receive all the important details on time, every time. Everybody sleeps better. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Um, let's talk about another topic. And this is a topic that you liked. You told me about it's in the, it's about Japan. Oh, yeah. um, their Airbnb is going into a, a luxury website for traditional inns and specialty hotels. Yeah, I like this. I thought that it was um, it fell in line with Airbnb's experiences. So it seems to make sense. And Japan seems to need some help because they've had um, lower occupancy rates, it seems, than, uh, than other Asian countries. So the inns that they're talking about are like hot spring resorts um, that they said are big draw for travelers. That sounds like a great experience that they that Airbnb could sell. So um, it sounds like a good platform. And I guess that they um, they're going to be sharing revenue with another with that luxury booking site. So it sounds like they're going to split a ten percent fee Airbnb and the the booking site. And then uh, the rest goes to the um, luxury hotel. Right. This is an interesting uh, concept. So there's basically going to be hotel rooms on on Airbnb. And, and so Airbnb allows them to, to, to put their, uh, their rooms on Airbnb and then they take a cut. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting um, that they're doing it this way because, you know, I, I know that a lot of uh, people who use Airbnb sometimes – they they think that they're booking like a room in a in a house with a with a local person, but then they're actually booking, you know, an apartment from from a big company, and it's not really the experience that they that they're expecting. Right. So I wonder if that's you know if I'm not sure if it's the right direction for for Airbnb to go on, you know, to put more sort of professional type of accommodations on their website. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there for sure. Um, Airbnb seems to, and this goes back to the open and Chip Conley about making sure that they're transparent. So, you know, maybe it will look different, maybe something that's not an in-house experience. They might, they might give it a different flavor or something. Um, that would be nice. Cause I think that's really what they try to do. At least that's what they say they try to do is to give guests and they they push that on all of the hosts to really be true about their their properties so that um, the expectations are set correctly for the person booking yeah you're definitely right about the the sort of the lower occupancy rates that these uh, traditional inns uh, are, are facing because the article is actually stating that while for full service hotels it, the average room occupancy rate was about 80%, but for these tra- more traditional inns and resort hotels, they're like uh, more around the 40 to 60% mark. So that's that's quite, uh, that's quite a big difference. Yeah. 
sounds like they need, they need some help, but it sounds, I mean, hot spring resort. I'm in, I'm all in. I'm going to one this <laughs> summer actually, <laughs> but not in, in Asia. I'm going in uh, Central America. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's those hot springs. Uh, I actually went to one in, uh, near Taipei, uh, at the end of last year. Oh, cool. It was wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, you know, sitting in a, in a hot tub with really warm water is always a quite, uh, enjoyable experience, I would say. With a nice view, I imagine. <laughs> well, it's, it wasn't as nice as I envisioned it, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, it was basically because I, I imagined like a hot spring to be in the middle of nature somewhere. Right. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but this is, this was just like kind of in the middle of a city, uh, oh, you know, there's okay. a little park, uh, right next to the. The, and they called it a resort, but it was, it kind of looked like a normal hotel, just a, you know, part of a very big building. Um, so it didn't really, yeah, I definitely envisioned it to be a little bit different, but you know, the water is, the hot water is coming out of the ground there and they just pump it uh, directly into your hot tub in your room and then you mm -hmm. sit in it. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, it's uh, still nice to sit in a hot tub. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm going to one in Costa Rica and so. I've already seen pictures. The views sound a little bit better than that, so I'll have to uh, send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to look at pictures next time as well <laughs> before I book something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, let's touch on one more topic. Uh, Airbnb is in talks in San Francisco to expand their offices, it seems, as it snaps up space for urban campus. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they've let their intentions be known that they want to dominate this area where they have set up shop in San Francisco. Um, so they're trying to snap up as, as much space as they can, but it sounds like it's going to double the number of employees that they're, they can have in San Francisco. So more job opportunity, everybody, <laughs> if you want to move to San Francisco, if you're in San Francisco to work at Airbnb. Yeah. And currently about half of its 3000 employees around the world are in San Francisco. And with this new office space, it would allow Airbnb to basically double their number of employees to, to 3000. So that means that would be like 1500 new jobs. I'm yeah, not sure if that's, that's going to be uh, good for the affordability of the housing in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, they'll, they, maybe they'll be keeping in the, uh, the plan to that helps affordable housing, but um, yeah, it's 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 good news. Or maybe they'll all just you know be Airbnb guests. All of these employees, who knows? <laughs> um, but maybe it's a fifteen million dollar deal. Maybe they'll sleep in the offices. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, and it's a block away from where their headquarters is. Um, and, but fifteen million dollars is what they're is the price tag they're putting on this uh, expansion. Fifteen million dollars. It's a little money. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um before uh before we go space is expensive in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, no, tell me about it. I'm always happy that I can crash for free with David. <laughs> 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 so the last thing I want to mention, there's a there's an article, you know, we've we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the new uh the new system that is in place to uh you know facilitate the registration of hosts in San Francisco. And um, I just wanted to mention it because it's an interview style article, which answers a lot of questions that people might have about uh, this, these new regulations. So, uh, you know, it, it goes into uh, all the different details. It's an article in the, in the San Francisco Chronicle. 
and uh you know it's uh it's it's good information um about how it works and, and it's really cool that uh that you can register on Airbnb and, and on HomeAway. It's not just a deal for Airbnb but also for HomeAway. All the all the hosts in San Francisco have to register at September sixth, the latest, and um they will get their registration numbers on their listing pages. And if you don't yeah, do that, then Airbnb is going to block on HomeAway as well. They're going to block your listing. So everybody really has to go ahead and register. Yeah, this is um, they, the questions are answered by um, the city's deputy um, city attorney, the director of the San Francisco Office of Short-Term Rentals, um, a spokesperson for Airbnb. So very educated, in-the-know individuals who are answering the questions. Uh, I assume you're going to put the link up, but it uh, might be a rule of thumb for New York City to follow as well and other cities. So this is uh, definitely a good source for information. And one one more interesting uh, fact that I saw in this article is that um, if you live in a residential neighborhood, you receive a notice of any property within 300 feet of you that's applied to be a short-term rental. Yeah, that's uh, – I don't know. I, I'm not sure I, uh, I'm in agreement with that part. I think that might be <laughs> one step too far. <laughs> well, over, yeah, exactly. It, it really is. I mean, being an Airbnb host myself, I don't need – what what did you say the the radius was? Three hundred feet. How? I, okay. Well, I guess everybody within three hundred feet actually knows about it's almost, our house it's, being a rental. The, so. the thing is, uh, the thing is, it almost frames Airbnb guests as like dangerous people or something that you know yeah, you need to watch out for them. Like uh, if somebody has an Airbnb rental in your neighborhood, we'll let you know. It, I mean, you know, the other only you're other absolutely right because the only other. Go ahead. You're about yeah, to say I was going to say it's like sex offenders, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't right, know. So uh, why are Airbnb hosts grouped in that? That's very strange to me. <laughs> I mean, um, that's the association that wow. people are going to have. I think if they, if they, if I get a letter like, oh, let's say you don't, you've never heard of Airbnb and you're just living somewhere, and then you get a, a letter in the mail saying, hey, uh, we wanted to let you know that uh, within a 300. Uh, feet radius uh, somebody has opened up an airbnb and you'll be like huh like is this something i have to be worried about it it brings a spotlight on that property and that homeowner and um it's going to cause problems i'm not sure if they were forced to agree to that i mean that's that's something i would definitely uh if i were airbnb i would try and negotiate out that or yeah, and not make sure it wasn't in any more negotiations going forward with other cities yeah that's no, horrible i agree i agree <laughs> All right, Nicole, thanks a, a lot for joining. And uh, I'll speak to you again yeah. in a few weeks. Thanks so much for having me, Jasper. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. And for all the listeners, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Yeah.